I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast, Week 6 Preview Edition. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and in these unprecedented times, we are seeing unprecedented changes in the NFL. No, I'm not talking about the schedule moving around. I'm talking about the Jets straight up releasing Le'Veon Bell. I can't believe it, but, uh, but what you better believe is that I am joined once again by the man the myth, the start-sit legend. You can find him everywhere at that FF nerd. It's Jason Draven. Jason, my dear friend, how are you heading into week six? I mean, I'm just in total shock because yesterday the world exploded. The internet went down. Twitter went down. Le'Veon Bells could not pick a worse time to possibly put out the news that he was going to the Chiefs, he surpassed Kim Kardashian's booty as a cause for the internet to shut down. I guess that is just the only football thing that happened last night since there wasn't a game. And I ended up watching Moneyball because I just missed sports so bad. I, I couldn't help it. I had a friend over, worked out, did all the fun stuff. Figured I needed to get that workout in because I keep going to the candy dish and grabbing more and more of that to kind of help m- relax myself through this crazy NFL time. I mean, even, but it's just been crazy. The whole bell thing blew my mind. And while we had a blast, I'm even more excited to get this over with because of the fact that the original cast of Hamilton is doing a fundraiser tonight. And I am so pumped to watch it. Oh, uh, so I am finding out live on air about this Hamilton fundraiser. So I'm very excited about that. I know what I'm going to be doing later tonight. Also, good for you for getting back on that ground. I'm proud of you, buddy. Proud of myself because this is not a normal week, and I'm proud that we have prepared a show and adjusted without the Thursday night football. But before we get to that, fun fact, Jonah Hill and Moneyball, yeah, he's now running the Cleveland Browns. He is the team's team president, I believe, is his official position. So fun little fact there. Anyways, no Thursday night football. We were supposed to get a matchup between the Bills and Chiefs. As most of you know by now, that was canceled because we got Tuesday night football instead. Had Bills-Titans, blowout win by the Titans, and that completely shuffled the whole schedule around. So now we get another doubleheader on Monday night. Kansas City, Buffalo, 5 o'clock Eastern, and then later that night we get the Arizona Cardinals and the Dallas Cowboys at 8.15 Eastern time. We've had to rework the show because of this, but before we get into that, I have to know, Jason, what do you think about the double Monday night doubleheader or the Monday-Tuesday night lineup versus the Thursday night game? Well, I mean, Steve and Neil went into this, how much they just loved this change, which I get, it's great for football. I mean, they're able to get more rest. It's a longer break between Monday and Thursday, or between Tuesday and Sunday than it is from Monday to Thursday. So I get that point, but man, it I we don't have content. I We are not able to do this without Thursday Night Football. So this is going to be a complete mix-up. I hate having to do all the extra work. I'm going to have to yell at Steve and Neil for it because this is just craziness. Oh, so it's our boss's fault that the <laughs> schedule got shuffled around. I don't, yes. don't put the Titans <laughs> stuff on Steve and Neil. They do not deserve that blame. I will not stand for that. And I honestly, I kind of liked the Monday, Tuesday. You know, it does hurt our content, but in terms of entertainment, kind of liked it. It was pretty fun. So like I said, though, we've re- reworked the show sheet a little bit, and we're going to kick things off for the first time ever with the news. But this is the perfect week for it, because like we said, Le'Veon Bell is now playing with Patrick Mahomes. So after liking a couple tweets from other Jets fans criticizing Adam Gase and the usage of Bell, the New York Jets have parted ways with their superstar running back. So it's report- important to remember how we got here. Adam Gase never wanted Le'Veon Bell. The relationship was doomed from the start. And once again, Gase has alienated a player. And it's also important to remember that the Jets' current general manager, Joe Douglas, he also didn't sign Bell. He didn't want him. Neither did Gase. And 
the way that this all came down was the regular owner operator, shot caller, Jets owner, Woody Johnson, took a job as a U.S. ambassador to the United Kingdom, 2016. Brother Christopher Johnson took over. Mike McCagnan was already installed as the GM, and he so they just worked together for a little bit. 2019 offseason comes. Just let McCagnan run free agency. Let him sign Bell. Let him sign C.J. Mosley to massive contracts. Let him run the draft and then fire him that summer before the season starts. So now that's how Le'Veon Bell got here. No one in the building actually wanted him there. And so now we've got Joe Douglas in here. He's trying to clean things up, brought in from Philly. And no one's going to trade for Bell. The relationship between Bell and Gates was just too toxic. And the Jets can't get rid of Gase because they're trying to tank for Trevor. And having Gase as a coach is going to help them lose games. So they can't get rid of him. Best thing they can do for the sanity of the team. Cut bait with Bell. Start fresh. Moving forward. But what does this mean for fantasy? And what does this mean for the Kansas City Chiefs, Jason? Well, I mean, I really think this is a whole point of trying to get back to, well, the Super Bowl. I mean, they had already planned for CEH to be behind Damian Williams. Well. Williams opted out, and so CEH was just kind of thrust into the position. They didn't like uh, Daryl Williams doing it. He didn't do a good enough job, so they tried to give CEH a lot of the work, and he just wasn't producing like they were expecting him to. So I think Bell came in and was just, or will come in and will be that veteran to kind of take the work off and be able to kind of show him what Damien was supposed to show him. Give him the ideas of how to look for holes and all the things that you really were hoping for this year with CEH and Damian Williams. So I think that's going to be how that ends up going. But looking into, thankfully, we have lovely listeners from the Fantasy Life app who give us questions each week. And TJ Smooth and KJ Way both ask, what is the value of CEH and Dynasty and Redraft? Which I think is a great question because it's going to change now with Bell there. And I do see it as a well, more of a split than what we had been seeing. So what do you think, Jack? So in terms of Dynasty, I don't really believe there's much change because Dynasty is so much based on the future. It's a one-year contract with Bell. I think he's just looking to get his ring and get out. I, they're not. There's no way they're going to extend him after drafting CEH in the first round. That being said, for redraft, though, value plummets for CEH. At, before this happened, he was handling 82% of the backfield carries and averaging 4.2 yards of carry. So that was pretty good. He was pretty effective. And I think they are going to keep using him as a runner, but it's going to move to more of a 60-40 split or maybe even a 50-50 split with Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the lead back. And the reason they brought him in is primarily they don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can handle the full workload, but they really don't trust Darrell Williams. Caught just 6 of 11 targets and only 35 yards. Averaged only 2.2 yards a carry, complete dust. So they really didn't have that compliment to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's been impressive as a receiver, 17 receptions on 23 targets, 169 yards, but that's not what they really brought him in to be. They expected more out of him. And until he can play up to that level, Bell is going to take that. And also, massive hit because of the goal line work. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire... Leads the league in touches on the goal line without a touchdown. They, they're clearly fed up with that. Bell is going to take that role. He's taking the receiving work. So we're left with a lot of empty calorie touches in between the 20-yard lines for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And in my wildest dreams, I didn't see this happening. Guarantees him as a fantasy bust because of everyone drafting in the top five to eight picks. What do you think, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I do think that I wouldn't call him a bust. as much as I hated people taking him and we had the huge ramp before the season. I just, there's so much talent there. And I really do think that learning behind somebody like vet veteran Le'Veon Bell is going to be a huge help for him. And oh I'm, no, we're not calling him a, a bust in the NFL draft. We're calling him a bust as a top five fantasy pick. You can't, oh, yeah, yeah. he's disappointed to this point, And now that Bell's there bust for sure. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, he, he's still going to have weeks that, he's going to blow up. I mean, that's just going to be a bit how that works out because of the fact that he does have the talent. The only issue is that it's going to be back and forth a lot of the time. And it's not, for example, I'm pumped to see bell go against the jets. And I feel like that's going to be just a massive game for him. And CH will have very little value there. 
unfortunately. Oh, the Adam Gase revenge <laughs> game is just, oh, it's absolutely beautiful. I cannot wait for that. Yeah. Moving on, though, we do have the Falcons who shut down their facility on Wednesday, Thursday. They had a positive COVID test for player Marlon Davidson, a rookie who they drafted out of Auburn, as well as a coach. They have resumed practice on Friday. Their game is expected to take place on Sunday as normal. The Colts today shut down their facility today as in Friday, had four positive tests. All of them turned out to be false positives. So thank goodness that's the best case scenario possible. Their game is expected to happen as normal. And the New England Patriots, so their center, James Ferentz, was placed on COVID reserve after testing positive. Patriots shut down the facility Friday. Broncos have been told to prepare for this game to happen as planned on Sunday. So keep an eye on the schedule as it progressive. But it does sound like this game is going to take place as planned. Which brings us to our quarterbacks, because Cam Newton activated off the COVID reserve list, resumed practice, and he will get the start on Sunday against the Broncos and will get the start in all of my fantasy lineups. Be all in on Cam Newton. Opposite sideline, though, Drew Locke practicing in full is expected to make his return to the Broncos, but I'm really worried about him. I think this is going to be his seeing ghost game like Darnold had last year. Any thoughts on any on this game, Jason? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I'm hoping, hoping that Locke will be able to at least throw the ball around and make some progress on the field. Oh, uh, the whole, we'll get to it later, but Gordon and Lindsey issue is a whole nother mess that it messes it even up even, even worse. And Cam Newton, uh, I agree, 100% Locke. I'm pumped for that offense. And I'm really, because of the fact that I think they get up, I am so pumped for Damon Harris this week. See, I was setting you up to trash Cam Newton, and if you did that, I was going to yell at you. So you passed my test, Jason. <laughs> Very happy about that. You rarely pass these tests I put up for you, but you did this week. So Lamar Jackson has been removed from the injury report. I am a very happy boy, and he's been cleared of the knee soreness and the illness that bothered him heading into the Bengals game. Well, and that works out because we had a question from KJ Way, and they are asking, what is going on with Lamar Jackson? I mean, fantasy-wise, he has just been horrible there's been no luck for him and he just hasn't looked good i have a theory but i want to hear what you have to say first well i think that is definitely part of it for sure i think another very very underrated part of it is the ravens had this all pro all he's going to make the hall of fame right guard marshall yonder retire this offseason mass people so underrated his departure because when you have a future Hall of Famer opening holes in the run game completely changes the offense, especially for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who's so built on the run game against the Bengals. They were asked to uh, throw up. They're asking him to throw a lot more because they wanted to test it out, see if he could do it because they had a chance to, because they were up so much. He failed in that regard. And it sounds like defenses are playing him a lot different this year, but overall, I think the biggest impact is surprisingly the loss of an offensive lineman. Yeah. And that's, I can see that being part of it. I'm actually think hoping quote unquote hope I'm really hoping that it's just a long-term play for him. They haven't really needed to use him. He hasn't had to run. The only game that he struggled in was against the chiefs. And I mean, you can see it in their run game. They don't know who to use. Ingram is going to have fresh legs by the time playoffs come. Uh, Dobbins is going to have fresh legs by the time playoffs come. And Edwards is getting more work. So he's learning the offense better to be a backup for both of those guys. So I think that's part of what's going on is that just the fact that they are blowing out everybody else. So all of their games haven't been close except for the Chiefs game. I, I, you know what? That is a very good point as well. I do prefer giving a highlight to a underrated offensive lineman, but honestly, you're probably just as right as I am. Good job. Both of us getting that right. Sounds like the Browns though, is staying in the division. Maker Mayfield was practicing through bruised ribs. He's been cleared. He's good to go, as is Kyle Allen. He's been medically cleared to start. Looks like he's going to be the QB1 against the Giants. In other news in Washington, Dwayne Haskins made his return to practice on Friday. So remember, he missed a lot of time last week and this week with illness. It does sound like he's going to be the QB3, likely inactive. Alex Smith, the backup again. Kyle Allen getting the start again. 
getting the start in San Francisco. Jimmy Garoppolo is practicing in full ahead of the week six matchup against the Rams, but there's no way I think we can feel comfortable playing him at this point. Only missed two weeks dealing with a six week high ankle sprain. We're now at four weeks on Sunday, but until he proves he's healthy, I, I, I can't trust him at all. And I know you've hit on this multiple times leading up that it, he's rushing back from this injury. Yeah, I absolutely hate players that rush back. I'm loving the fact that they are taking their time with Thomas, for example. Like, they, these players need to rest. I know it's horrible because they want to come out and win, but you're doing just fine. You're not out of any races at this point. You're just wanting to continue to heal. I I think that <laughs> New Orleans have has looked horrible without Thomas, but Jimmy G is going to be fine. This is a run-first offense, so they can survive with Bethard or Mullins. So I just, I wish I, they'd I take him more. About Mullins. I know, I but know I just, <laughs> I wish they would just take time and let him heal, especially because I don't think that their schedule is very difficult the next couple of weeks. I agree with you fully, and we'll hit on this multiple times throughout the show. It's a six-week injury with these high ankle sprains. Jimmy G missed four. Remember that. Or Sorry, he missed two. We are now at four. So he's got another two weeks before a regular person is healed from that, and he's been playing through it. So we'll see about that. We'll also see about the Colts because Frank Reich has said the team's not considering sitting Phillip Rivers. I don't think they should make the move yet. Give it another game. But I do think they have to be considering it at this point. And I also think that they need to be considering making a trade for Sam Darnold because he's being ruled out for the Jets. We get Joe Flacco starting once again. But don't worry. Adam Gase talked to all of his staff. They come down with the decision that Gase should continue calling plays. They just need to execute, apparently. The play calls are great. They just need to execute. Not Adam Gase's fault. Why would it be? It's like when an organization investigates themselves and clears themselves of any wrongdoing. Yeah, we, we didn't do anything wrong. Look, we said so. So now, to be fair, I think Joe Douglas should have told Gates to continue calling plays, and they should continue to tank for Trevor. This is the right decision. This is the wrong process. I can't wait until January when we never have to talk about Adam Gates ever again. Sam Darnold, shut him down for the year or trade him. Yeah, you're I mean, I wish you could say we'll never see Adam Gase again, but he's going to end up on an offense or defense somewhere. He's going to end up on a team oh, coaching. I, oh, I don't think it's going to be a head coach. I know. I can't help it. it. It's just how he is. It's amazing the people that can continue to get jobs in the NFL. Oh, painful, painful. So I, I really hope we do see uh, Philip Rivers take the seat on the Colts, and I hope that they make a move for Sam Darnold soon. Moving on to our running backs, though, Antonio Gibson limited Wednesday with a toe injury, now set to be full go. Adrian Peterson didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday due to illness, resumed Friday, and he's supposed to be full go. But could this be a DeAndre Swift breakout coming off the bye and Adrian Peterson missing two practices? I mean, that's kind of how I've seen it. I still think Adrian Peterson gets a bulk of the carries because that's what Patricia wants to do so <laughs> with that in mind I do think Swift will be used and I wouldn't be surprised if he finds the end zone this week free DeAndre Swift Kareem Hunt is limited with a thigh injury last week it was the groin and this week it's the thigh still got 23 touches though while dealing with the groin injury against the Colts and that ain't changed anytime soon until Nick Chubb returns Kareem Hunt is an RB1 I don't think there's any arguing that yeah, not at all. I mean, Hunt, you know, they said groin. It's all soft tissue stuff, which I hate for these players, but it's one of those things that they don't have anybody else. I, I We all saw Ernest Johnson, and no, not going to happen. <laughs> Put no, Hunt back no. out there and get him to work. They are feeding Kareem Hunt. Leonard Fournette was limited Wednesday and Thursday with the ankle and is a game-time decision. He dressed in an emergency role last Thursday, though, so it's tough to see him sitting this game. Broncos running back Melvin Gordon was cited for a DUI earlier this week, missed Wednesday's practice because of it, returned Thursday, and then missed Friday's practice with an illness. Uh, Vic Fangio is not sure his status for Sunday, so keep an eye on that. We're going to not going to comment on this story. Uh, just make sure you keep an eye if he's inactive. And this is just going to serve as a reminder, friends. It's 2020. There are always other options. Do not drink and drive. In Buffalo, Zach Moss is practicing in full Thursday and Friday after missing multiple games to a toe injury. So he could be splitting the work with De Devin Singletary once again. 
And James Robinson could be splitting the work pretty soon. I'm not worried for this week, but Divina Zigbo is able to return to practice off of the IR from the hamstring injury he suffered. And this could be our last gasp effort of James Robinson bell cow back extraordinaire. Well, and at that same point, where is Armstead? I have not heard or seen a single thing about him. Is he in that backfield still? Um, so I have only heard rumors. However, it does not sound like he will return off of the COVID-19 uh, reserve list this season. So our thoughts are with him. Hopefully those rumors are false, but we uh, are not expecting to see uh, Armstead back this season. In the 49ers backfield, Jeff Wilson missed Thursday with a calf. Officially questionable for the game, but Raheem Mostert is there. So completely irrelevant. Jeff Wilson doesn't matter. Jarek McKinnon, unfortunately, doesn't matter. Raheem Mostert is the guy. Alvin Cook is officially out for the Vikings matchup with the Falcons. He'll have the bye next week to heal up. It's a groin injury for him, expected to last about two weeks. So hopefully he's cleared for three weeks down the road. Christian McCaffrey is also not practicing right now with the high ankle sprain. And again, sounds like he'll come back week eight. It sounds like they are going to take that full six-week time period for McCaffrey to hear up. So week eight against the Falcons is the earliest we should expect to see Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I think that's what I said would happen. So I'm comfortable with him coming back. You were right. <laughs> I mean, it's just one of those things that you it takes time. Everybody hates it. But once you're back, it's something that you, he'll ease into practice. He'll probably have some light work on the side the first day, get some hits in the second day, and then be full go by Friday. Because they're being so responsible about Christian McCaffrey's return, I'm not worried about his production once he comes back. Worried about Mike Davis. He's going to fall off a cliff, but we'll get to that later. Packers running back slash receiver Tyler Irvin is out with a wrist injury. Irvin has a very specific role, though. All he does is run jet motion out of the slot. Sometimes gets a carry on that look. Sometimes gets a target. Completely irrelevant, though. He's like a max three touches a game guy. Sausage, Chiefs fullback Anthony Sherman, placed on COVID reserve after coming in close contact with someone who later tested positive. My knowledge, he is still not tested positive. Let's hope that continues to hear that he continues to test negative, and we'll keep an eye on that. And Darrington Evans has been placed on IR, so fire up Derrick Henry if you weren't already. Derrick Henry is a monster. Yeah, I was really upset to hear about Darrington Evans. I was hoping he would have a good year with him coming in and them getting rid of Lewis and pretty much everybody else in that backfield besides Henry. But with him just having injury issues all year, it hasn't been great for him. Uh, <clears throat> but with people that were shocked at their value right now, KJ Way asked, what would you do with Drake if you had him and Edmonds? Or, at the same kind of point, do you think that Drake has any value in full PPR? In full PPR? Absolutely no value whatsoever. Chase Edmonds is the receiving back. Kenyon Drake is the ineffective between the tackles grinder. And honestly, in other formats, in half-point PPR and in standard, not that much value out of Drake either. I'm ready to give up on him. Chase Edmonds deserves his full backfield. He's so much more efficient. Last week against the Jets, his first carry of the game busts it for a breakaway touchdown. It was, I think it was over 30 yards, 36 or something like that. And Kenyon Drake, just inefficient run, inefficient run. They just need to give this backfield to Edmonds. Well, and I don't know if that's completely true, but I do think that they, he needs to have more opportunities. That's something that he's clearly shown should happen. I completely agree with you there. But so much news from around the league, so much to cover. It's really difficult to keep track of sometimes, and sometimes we just need a little break to clear our heads, which means it's time to hear from the always wonderful at nonsense underscore Steve, our boss, Steve Bonham. <laughs> And we are back, and we are breaking down wide receivers across the league. Adam Humphreys was activated off the COVID reserve list, and A.J. Brown is still rehabbing that bone bruise in his knee, listed on the injury report. But as we've discussed, a player who gets any sort of treatment is listed on the injury report. He's good to go, so it'll be Adam Humphreys and A.J. Brown dominating the targets in Tennessee. Yeah, and I, I'm so pumped because Davis is out. So again, and a chance to have a shootout here. Humphreys could actually be a sneaky play this week. Yeah, 
Well, it burned me last time you said that, so I <laughs> wish you hadn't said it out loud. I was thinking it internally, but I'm upset that you said it because now you've jinxed it, and I'm going to pivot off of that again. Something I'm not pivoting off of ever, Devontae Adams practicing in full. He's full go for Sunday. Devontae Adams is probably the best fantasy receiver in the league when healthy. And he gets some help. Equinamia St. Brown finally activated off the IR for the Packers following knee injury. Love to see that. Aaron Rodgers gets another weapon. Probably not going to throw to him, though, because Devontae Adams is going to get like 27 targets next there on Sunday. And Julio Jones didn't practice Wednesday, didn't practice Thursday, and then he was full go on Friday. And now he's not on the injury report. So, yay? don't know again i mean because of the fact that they had to close a facility on thursday they reopened it today don't actually know if they went through a full practice or not it's one of those things i brought it i keep bringing it up but i am not comfortable playing him until he has two full consecutive practices i I just can't trust it i think that's a good rule to work with for most players if i just like to see like a one full practice but with julio with a nagging hamstring i i would really like to see more on the note of nagging hamstrings chris godwin he returned to practice in limited capacity on wednesday and thursday got more limited work but again he's practicing in full on friday and it sounds like he's full go for this weekend so do you have that same rule for godwin or do you trust him with just the one full practice well they fired him up I think it was week two after he had one full practice and he looked great, but then he got hurt again. So it's one of those things that I can see him still having value, but I would not be surprised if he ends up getting pulled in the third or fourth quarter because he hurt himself. Yeah, it's just one of those things that you have to keep an eye on. And it's you have to bite the bullet at some point, depending on your lineup. Mike Evans can talking about Codwin's teammate didn't participate Wednesday in practice and returned in a limited fashion Thursday, Friday. Sounds like he's getting the old Julio Jones treatment where he misses the first practice of the week and then is limited throughout the rest of the week and then scores a touchdown on Sunday. So I expect that to happen once again. Scotty Miller. Julio doesn't score touchdowns on Sundays. Okay, that, that, that was a bad comparison. I meant the, the treatment from the team where they don't force him to practice is all oh, I meant. That makes yeah. more sense. Yeah, Julio is more of the Scotty Miller who does not find the end zone. He's been limited all week with the hip and groin injuries. And Gronk also limited with the shoulder injury. So pause on Gronk being back, potentially. On Brown practicing with in full after a knee injury. Had the calf injury last week, which is what kept him out of Tuesday Night Football officially. And now it's the knee. So I'm not too sure what's going on with John Brown. Sounds like he's going full go, though. Yeah, and I mean, I think Allen is the one who's missing him the most. I I think that's what really happened on Tuesday is the fact he didn't have John Brown, the guy who's actually fast and can pull defenses away from Diggs and pretty much anybody else, leaving Beasley wide open. Any underneath option will be pulled wide open because Brown is flying down the field. I mean, while I do like Davis, I think he's a great player, but he's just not fast like john brown is john he's just a different player completely and i would be oh yeah i would be completely worried if john brown's out because the bills are likely going to struggle and this is a game that they would really like to have him out there I really hope he does play. It does change their offense. Having two of the best deep ball receivers in the nfl and stefan diggs and john brown always makes your offense better Having Juju Smith-Schuster also makes your offense better. Missed Wednesday with the knee injury, and he's missed every Wednesday practice so far this year. Returned in full Thursday and Friday. He's full go. Meanwhile, Deontay Johnson was shut down with a back injury and will not play this weekend. So, Jason, you know what that means. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, it's Chase Claypool. I mean... It's Chase Claypool season. (laughs) I was... I mean... Again, my only issue is I could see them actually feeding Juju this week just because of the fact that they haven't. I mean, he's been a completely different player all season because of the fact that they've made him kind of a possession receiver, which isn't something he's used to. He's used to being... You know what they've done to him? You know what they've done to him? He has a lower average depth of target than Larry Fitzgerald. That's what they've done to him. Yeah, and you that's not what he's good at. You need to have him in the clay pool. <laughs> like, that needs to be what he's doing. He's off to the side breaks a long one and is gone. 
but they're not doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised. Chase Claypool has a big day, but I could also see Juju getting target or touchdowns because of the fact that he has it and he's starting to get annoyed by it. Feed the squeaky wheel. Gotta grease the squeaky wheel. Although we do gotta fire up Mapletron. Love Chase Claypool. Go Canada. DJ Chark mispracticed earlier this week with an ankle injury, and when he returned, very limited. Questionable and kind of sounds like he's going to be a game-time decision. Important to remember remember that in 2019, missed week 14 with an ankle injury. I'm kind of out on Chark this week because of it. And LaVisca Chenault, he missed practice earlier in the week with illness. Did return, though, and I think he sees a big bump if Chark misses. Also, to round things out with the Jaguars, Tyler Eifert also questionable with a neck injury. Yeah, and most of the time I agree with you, but this year that has already happened where Shark was out and it tanked everybody. So I'm nervous. It was Thursday night football, though. We discount mm. Thursday. Those don't, those don't count. Know that. Fine, but if that's the case, if Shark does miss, it's going to be Keelan Cole getting a lot of targets and then Chenault being used everywhere and hoping that he can break something free. Fingers crossed I'm not wrong on this twice, because if I bust on Chenault twice when Chark's out, I'm going to be very sad. Odell Beckham missed Thursday and Friday practice with illness that is not COVID-19 related. And so the NFL has cracked down on rules regarding general sickness. If you have any symptoms of cold or flu, doesn't matter. They're sending you home either way. All you do is show up and get your COVID test and you're sent home once you're displaying those symptoms. Odell is expected to play this weekend, though, as long as he keeps testing negative. Jarvis Landry didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday, had popped up on the injury report with a new rib injury, but they've been managing his reps all year long with that hip. He was coming back off of a surgically repaired hip. Not easy to come back off of at all. So they've been limiting him, expected to play, and expected to play well. Darius Slayton also expected to play this week, limited with a foot injury and should power through it. Sterling Shepard isn't expected to make his return. Sounds like he might make his return in week seven against the Eagles. Now might be the time to stash Sterling Shepard coming off of the toe injury. Yeah, and I mean, so I think this game goes one of two ways. Jones either lights up the football team or it is a battle of the two ugliest teams in the NFL. Yeah, that's... Oh, yeah, it's, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be an ugly one. Speaking of ugly, AJ Green, he's kind of given up on the team. I don't know if you watched the game last weekend. The Ravens blew him out, but AJ Green on an interception didn't even try. On the sideline later in the game, it sounded like, or not sounded like, it looked like he was saying, trade me. Green has come out and said that's not what he was saying. People have misconstrued it. He does not want to trade, doesn't want out of Cincinnati. Limited in practice, says he's going to push through it, but I I can't trust him anymore. I, I really can't. Yeah, and I don't think there's any reason to. I mean, Green has looked like he has given up on this team, and if you haven't given up on him, you should. I completely agree. You should give up on him. Teammate Auden Tate is also doubtful with a shoulder injury. Denzel Mims will not come off of injured reserve this week for the Jets following the double hamstring strain. Imagine that. Both of your hamstrings are strained. That would be the worst thing for walking ever. Can't run through that. Another week for Mims. Sounds like it's going to be another week for Brashad Perriman as well. He's been limited with the ankle injury. Chris Hogan also placed on IR with a high ankle sprain, so it's just Jamison Crowder in New York once again. Curtis Samuel also limited Wednesday and Thursday with a knee injury. Not really relevant to your fantasy teams anyways, even if Teddy Bridgewater wants to get him more involved. Sammy Watkins is going to be out for multiple weeks with hamstring injuries. Is expected to miss injured reserve, though, so hopefully he misses only two games instead of the three. Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn said Keenan Allen's dealing with back spasms Monday. That's why they pulled him from the Saints game. Sounds like he's going to be fine, and they get the bye this week to rest up as well. So I'm sure you're happy to hear that about Allen. Yeah, I mean, I knew he probably wasn't coming back when I saw them doing the stretches on the sideline, and I was just like, uh, there's something wrong with his back. I don't want him back out there because it's going to end up just being even worse and potentially hurting himself. So I'm just glad that they get the bye this week and he can rest. An unsuspected bye, but a bye nonetheless. It'll work for him. Yeah, the Chargers being on bye came as a part of that whole schedule shuffle. So make sure you're always keeping up to date with the goings-on of the NFL schedule makers. 
In other news, KJ Hamler is not practicing with a hamstring and probably will not play this weekend once again. Neither will Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson. They're both out again this week. Complete shocker. I don't think anyone saw this coming from the Eagles receivers. Yeah, I mean, and at this point, you kind of have to fire up Travis Fogel. Like, seriously. We do. (laughs) Yes, we do, sir. They're just feeding the ball to him, so they might as well keep going with it. And if PPR, I'm playing him. He is fantastic. And, of course, Lions, draft pick of the Lions, they cut him. They kept Brandon Powell instead. Great decision, Lions. This is why Detroit is going to Detroit, and the Lions are going to Lions. Tight end, Jonu Smith. Rest day Wednesday, listed with a quad injury, but sounds like it's a non-story, just getting some minor treatment on that. Impressive, though, that third-year stud is such a baller, coaches are already giving him rest days. Elite, elite tight end talent. Yeah, I wonder. I'm just so happy that we've been able to help so many people on getting Jono Smith into their lineups and on their team. Like, how great is it to have somebody that you can just plug in and play? I truly believe with all the money that Steve's been winning over on Monkey Knife Fight that he's deserved, or we got to buy the whole staff Johnny Smith jerseys. We just got to do it. Another young breakout tight end, Noah Fant, limited Wednesday and Thursday with ankle injury that kept him out of week five. Sounds like he's a game time decision. Austin Knox is dealing with a calf injury that kept him out of the second half of the Bills versus Titans game. Worried about him, and if he does miss, Tyler Croft becomes an excellent streaming option. Who we thought was an excellent streaming option last week, though, Eric Ebron didn't practice Wednesday with a hand injury, returned in full on Thursday, but I, I, I can't trust him ever again. I trusted him once against the Eagles, and he busted he fumbled once. I thought he fumbled twice, but it was only once. It counted as an incompletion. Terrible day from Eric Ebron, so maybe you can't trust my tight end streamers. Hey, I brought it up because I was a little nervous about it and said Chase Claypool might get those targets, and guess what? He did. So, Oh, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at myself. <laughs> I have Ebron, too. I, I was on your side. I, I It's just as much my fault as yours. I am very disappointed with myself and Eric Ebron. Yeah, it, it's hard to trust Ebron because, I mean, with Claypool, the body style is just too much, and he is just so much more talented than Ebron is. Jordan Aikens is a game-time decision with a concussion and an ankle injury. It does sound like he's going to clear concussion protocol, which is great, but the ankle is something to worry about now. He's been limited in practice with that. And Mo Alley-Cox, Mac didn't participate in practice all week with a knee and has officially been ruled out. Yep, not surprised, but... You're going to love this. You have to fire up Burton, who has been targeted the most for the Colts, and will continue this week. I mean, he will likely need to catch passes this week because the Colts are going to have to put a point. But why, why do I have to love that? I hate that. I, I, I don't want to hear about Trey Burton. And it, you're right, which is the worst part, but I don't want to hear it, Jason. Not on my show. So we're going to move on to kickers because you've upset me with this Trey Burton talk. And the Jaguars have released Stephen Hauschka and added John Brown. Brown is now the fifth kicker of the season for the Jaguars. And this wraps up our news from around the league, including kickers. And we will kick it to a word from our sponsors. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right. And there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one-and-a-half touchdowns to pay out one-and-a-half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup. I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. 
Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. We are back and we are ready to roll into the worst time of the show each and every week. We all know if you have listened to the show in the past how much I put hate putting Jason in charge. It is, however, my sworn duty as the host of this podcast to do so. And with that, we move into Trust or Bust with the Nerd. And before I do relinquish my power to Jason, we have to go over the quarterback rules. So... This is players for our trust that are ranked outside of the top 12 in Fantasy Pro's expert consensus ranking, who are we are starting this week, while our busts are quarterbacks that are ranked inside the top 12 in the ECR, who we expect to miss expectations. So Jason, take it away. I know you're going to mess this up. No, I think you're going to really like the first pick because it's Ryan Tannehill, okay? After oh, yes, being forced to take a bye... And then having the game pushed back to COVID, Tannehill came out on fire. He is currently the quarterback 16 with game, one game less than everyone else. He is 15 points, so barely a game, behind quarterback 7, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Beside that, this week he gets the Texans, which makes me nervous because it's in division. These games are always tough to predict. But I really do think that both teams are going to put up points. This is going to be a huge shootout, even though... I mean, the Texans are only allowing 20.4 fantasy points per game. I think that Tannehill is easily around 24-point mark. So I wouldn't be surprised if Eden goes higher because of the fact that they've looked good. I mean, the past week, the fact that they did that to the Bills was just such an impressive feat for me. Ryan Tannehill is incredibly underrated as a fantasy quarterback. And honestly, at this point, he might be really underrated as a real-life QB as well. The Titans might have gotten a bargain when they signed him to what we thought at the time was an overpaid contract extension. But Tannehill, since he took over, or sorry, Tannehill this year is averaging 22.22 points per game, QB 9 in points per game, which a little bit low. But when you go back to last year, when he took over as the Titan starter in week seven, not counting the week six where he came off the bench, benched Marcus Mariota, and the legend was born. So since week seven to the end of last year, average 22.5 fantasy points per game, had him as the QB two behind only Lamar Jackson. And so two years in a row, averaging 22 fantasy points a game. He might just be good at this point. Yeah, and... I completely agree, but moving on to the next guy, this is going to make me crazy. I know it. It's Daniel Jones. He's been horrible. He's had a rough start with a bunch of tough defenses to start the year. Currently quarterback 29 in fantasy. Yikes. But this week he gets a team who has allowed 27.9 fantasy points per game. They have a good defensive line that will force Jones to throw, and I think this could easily be a shootout or... Jones could end up running away with it. So it's just one of those things that it could be a great connection between Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton. And that's just a great option this week. And I'm feeling that he has this shot. So yes on Slayton, absolutely not on Danny Dimes. See, this is what I was worried about. This is why I said you were going to mess it up because I am terrified of Danny Dimes. Hasn't thrown a touchdown since week one. Literally over a month since we've seen Danny Dimes throw a dime touchdown. That's ridiculous. So I, I don't think things are going to change. If you look at the offensive tackles, we have Andrew Thomas, the rookie out of Georgia. He's been terrible, one of the worst offensive tackles in the league. And on the right side, Mike Remmers, who was so bad that the Vikings cut him. So they're facing off against Chase Young? 
No, not a chance. Fade Danny Dimes completely. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll move into bus because I think you'll appreciate these. Maybe. We'll see. So, first is Kirk Cousins. This is a tough one because everybody th- seems to think that he's going to throw a lot, which he very well could. But at this point, he has been quarterback 25 in fantasy. And I think Madison will be the one who gets a majority of the work this week with Cook out. They are able to run against a horrible Atlanta defense. And while he be, may be able to move the ball a lot with Thielen, I don't think Jefferson sees a whole lot of work this week. You could easily just see him around 240 yards and a touchdown as he lets Madison run it in over and over again. So I really do think that Madison just ends up having a big day while Kirk Cousins allows that to happen and Minnesota allows that to happen. Yeah, so I think you're really overselling Kirk Cousins at 240 yards. So these two teams actually faced in week one of last year. And I don't know if you remember, and you probably don't because it's one of the most boring games ever. Kirk Cousins attempted 10 passes, completed eight for 98 in a score, but the Vikings just ran away with it. Literally ran the ball 32 times with running backs, 168 yards and two touchdowns, both of which went to Dalvin Cook. New year, new team, but this is what the Vikings want to do on offense. And this week it's going to be Alexander Madison. I'll be able to do this against an awful Falcons defense. Alexander Madison will not miss his shot. Unfortunately, Kirk Cousins will. Very nice. We'll move into the next guy, Tom Brady, fantasy quarterback, eighth on the year, gets to go against Green Bay Packers, a defense coming off of a bye, always makes me nervous. Green Bay has given up 22.1 fantasy points to the quarterback. However, Brady, in my opinion, has not looked good. Like, this kid is, oh, it's so frustrating. He has all these great weapons and wants to be the guy who throws it deep, and he's not. Scotty Miller was open so much last week that he could have easily been a huge blowout game, but they ended up losing to the Bears. So I could see this being a grinded out game, or as I more plan it to be, is Green Bay's just going to get up and end up running all over the Buccaneers. So while Brady tries to bring them back, I expect him to turn over the ball. Just horrible for him. Hating on the GOAT. I... I, I don't know, Jason, you know that all the hate is what Aaron Rodgers or what made Aaron Rodgers great this year, right? Heard all of the people talking about how he wasn't good anymore and now he's good again. So if Tom Brady's listening to this podcast, he's going to hear your negative words and he's going to show you up. That being said, though, I do agree. Give me Fitzmagic, give me Tannehill, give me Goff, give me Stafford and give me Minshew. I've got Tom Brady at QB 13 this week. Still love the GOAT, though. Yeah, and that's great, but I just I can't do it. Not this week. Not in fantasy this week, but I, I say face putting it at 13, just outside my top 12. At running back, though, we're looking at players who rank outside the top 24 instead of the top 2012 or top 12. This is RB3 or lower. And for our bus, they rank outside inside the top 24 and we're lower on them for week six. Yep, and the first guy is the same guy from last week. It's Damon Harris. I'm bringing it up again. I like Harris, and I think with Cam, he has success on the ground. I'm hoping that Harris will show up as lead guy, as he showed he could handle the load two weeks ago now, getting more than any other carries than anybody on the team. I mean, he was also able to put up 100 yards on the 17 carries, and with another week of practice under his belt, and being fully healthy, I feel like this team easily handles the Broncos, and while Cam is back, I wouldn't be surprised if Harris actually finds the end zone. So I'm not as high on Harris as you seem to be, but I also don't think you're wrong. I really like Damian Harris, and the Broncos could be missing their stud nose tackle, Mike Purcell. And if he's cut out, this becomes much more attractive. But Cam Newton just makes running backs better. The read option that they run with him opens up these wider running lanes for these backs, and he also likes to target them in the passing game, probably going to James White. But Damian Harris, yes, play him this week. Yeah, and... Man, this is just so tough, so I don't like doing it, but the next trust is going to be Jamal Williams. Oh, really I don't like st- you doing it either. Yeah, really struggled with a second because I like AP and I like JD McKissick, but I think this is offense just rolls through Tampa, like I said. And with the value on Williams being a pass catcher and getting touches, it seems to be great for him. He's a higher percentage of touches than AP and McKissick and is done better on the year. He had a huge game last week. And I think after the, or well, I guess two weeks ago. And I think after the bye, the team continues to roll in the run game. 
See, I don't think Jamal Williams can matter two weeks in a row, especially when Devontae Adams is back in the lineup. If he was out again, I would agree with you. But so many of those targets that went to Williams in week four are now going back to Devontae Adams. So give me a guy like DeAndre Swift. Give me Gus the Bus Edwards. And I, I, I don't know, maybe give me J.D. McKissick if you're playing in full PPR leagues if you think Alex Smith is going to get back in the game. But don't give me any Jamal Williams. Well, fun fact for you, DeAndre Swift's actually in the ECR top 24. That is shocking. <laughs> yes, that was part of my issue because I was like, oh, he'd be. E oh, guess not. We'll go to somebody else. <laughs> but going into bus, James Conner in a game that seems to go off the rails. I think Pittsburgh passes a lot, and this ends up being a big game for Juju, like I said, and a big game for Chase Claypool. So going up a middle of the road defense against the Cleveland Browns, they give up 23.8 fantasy points to the running back. I think he actually struggles, and this team actually ends up throwing to the wide receiver because oh wait cleveland browns give up 48 fantasy points to the wide receiver see you could have listed zero stats and i would still be on your side to sit james connor the fact that you actually had some stats to back it up i think it's just gravy sneaky shootout potential in pittsburgh versus cleveland i think the steelers are going to have to pass a lot because the browns run running defense has been pretty decent for the last couple of weeks and i think it's just going to be a big odell and hunt game as well as a big game from the steelers receivers completely out on james connor yep and as i said in the first part i'm worried about Melvin Gordon, well, and I guess Philip Lindsay too, because I do not like this matchup in New England. I mean, whoever it is, whether Gordon's out or in, and I mean, if Lindsay gets a job, whatever, without a lot of other options, these two players are not ones I would use. I mean, the team will likely have to throw a lot. I am looking at Judy and Hamilton because I think Patrick is going maybe get Gilmore. I'm not sure who's going to get Gilmore. The whole thing just terrifies me. With that in mind, I also think that line is impressive and don't think that they're going to run it. It's terrifying. And I just, I could see Damon Harris running all over the Broncos for this reason. Wow. I feel bad for these running backs. I, I, I'm seeing ghosts out there. Yeah. Drew Locke is in for his ghost game, which means no running the ball. Gordon might be held out of the game with the illness, but even if it's just Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, Lindsay's bad at catching the football. And we've talked about this plenty. Neil talks about it all the time. So it's, only the only way you're going to matter in this Broncos offense this week is if you're catching passes in garbage time. And that's just not Philip Lindsay. So yeah, sit him, sit Melvin Gordon, because at the same point, he's not going anywhere either. Receiver though, we're looking for players who rank outside the top 36 as our truss wide receiver four or lower. And our bus are inside the top 36 who we expect to miss expectations. Yeah. And so I, I'm probably too early on it, okay? Because I have Christian Kirk as my trust this week. It may be a week too early, but I think that he is going up against a very porous Dallas Cowboy team that is going to be able to be passed on. And while Hopkins will probably get a majority of the work, I think that Christian Kirk is the other guy you want out of Arizona. See, I've been saying it for at least a week now, but a while, that Christian Kirk is pretty good and Larry Fitzgerald is not. I think that Kirk is ready to break out, especially against the Cowboys. We always want to play receivers against the Cowboys. And remember, Christian Kirk, at freshman in the SEC, 1,000-yard season, really good football player. He's going to break out at some point, and I think it should be with the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury just needs to use him outside of this horizontal raid they've got going. Stretch, throw the ball downfield, get Andy and Isabella in the lineup. The offense is going to be better all around if that happens. And Christian Kirk is going to profit. Yeah, and I mean, his first week back went five for 78 yards. So after an injury, he seemed to be great. And so with that in mind, I'm just pumped for him. So moving into the next guy, I have Nikhil Harry. Love his matchup. Likely gets Bryce Callahan. He is bigger, stronger, and faster. He should be able to make him pay anytime. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is the one who actually ends up finding the end zone of the wide receivers. This is hopefully going to be, I mean, you've seen it in the past. His best games have been against the Seahawks and the Chiefs. So I think this is a huge, huge game for him. I could see Locke moving the ball around and maybe getting it to shootout. But like you, we've said, it probably is a ghost game. 
And at the very least, I do think he finds the end zone. Fulgham is another person to check out because he's the only weapon on the Eagles outside of Miles Sanders and the ghost of Zacherts. Uh, I'd prefer Fulgham here because I really am a big fan of him, but you've offered great suggestions. Nikhil Harry is also fantastic, especially with Cam Newton back in the lineup. Let's hear your bust, though. All right. So first one is Jarvis Landry. After having so many weeks struggling with perceived targets, he hasn't been great. He is currently wide receiver 34 on the year. This week, he continues to struggle against a Steelers defense. The hope is that the team has to throw more, which I wouldn't be surprised, but I again, OBJ seems to be getting a ton more targets. Better matchup for Richard Higgins on the defense his side. He's a bigger than his matchup, and I think his score the streak continues. But it's not going to be this week that he ends up finding the end zone. Fun fact, he has the same number of receptions as OBJ with 11 less targets. So, so just something fun, and I just can't trust him as an option this week. Yeah, I think it's the Odell Beckham Jr. and the Kareem Hunt show, so not in on Landry at all. Yeah, and going into the next guy, we've kind of already touched on it, but it's Justin Jefferson. Along with me being down on Kirk, Jefferson is not the one who gets the targets outside of Thielen and Madison. I mean... While he has been impressive, I hate him on this offense just because you don't know when he's going to be used. It's going to be so hit or miss, and he's going to end up being a boom-bust wide receiver, similar to that of Debo Samuel, who's also on a run-first offense. See, this falls in line with us sitting Kirk, as we talked about earlier, and it's going to be really hard to sit Justin Jefferson, especially because of how boom he has been and there is a chance that he gets like three receptions 145 yards and three touchdowns against the falcons but we're not confident in that which is why we're sitting him so we're going to move on to tight ends now tight ends rank out inside and outside the top 12 for our trusts and our bus yeah so going into the first guy is jimmy grandpa i mean currently the tight end seven in fantasy he averages 11.6 fantasy points but is definitely up and down. I mean, this week he has a toughish matchup against the Panthers, and as the team continues to struggle, Foles seems to trust Jimmy and can see to find him whenever he needs to. It's been saving him a lot more than it, he should, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a time when Foles struggles and he has to find Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I can't do it. You know, I want to. You make good points, but I can't. Can't do it. Not even if there is a fire. Never, ever play Jimmy Graham. Well, and I touched on it earlier. It's Trey Burton as my other trust. He's been the target leader the past two weeks for the Colts since coming back. He continues his trend and has a decent matchup against the Bengals, who allow 13.1 fantasy points to the tight end. That's a pretty good score, and I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's him because of the fact that Mo Ali Cox is out. This time, he has to be leaned on because... Defense is solid, and Rivers is struggling. So since Rivers will have to throw, Burton will end up seeing the targets. Nope, nope. I hate Trey Burton as a play as well. Can't do it, won't do it, waste of time. Moving on. Speaking of bust, the guy who is a ghost is Zach Ertz. Going up against the Ravens, he has been less than good, and he has been iffy already. I think he continues his downtrend as we see Fulgham have another big week, and Sanders is being used more in the passing game. And then, of course, I mean, we have Eric Ebron, who we were convinced last week would happen this week. Again, I think Claypool ends up stealing targets away from him, in, especially in the red zone. Claypool's talent is just something that is going to force Ebron into the background. Going against the Browns, who allow 15.7 fantasy points per game to the tight end, those points are likely going to end up being split more so to Claypool than Ebron. Yeah, I completely agree with both of these players that were sitting. I really don't trust Zach Ertz or this Philly offense in general going forward. And I do trust the Steelers offense, but I don't trust Eric Ebron one lick. Can't do it, won't do it. These tight ends are just infuriating. It's just, it's so hard to play so many of them. And then you get people touting Eric Ebron. It's just like, no, I, it's crazy. But that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. And, you know, considering all the craziness that's going on around the NFL this week, pretty tame show. So you were pretty good this week, Jason. Thank you for reining it in a little bit. Do you have any parting words for all your adoring fans in the Important Nonsense universe? I mean, I'm just excited to help you guys out on Sunday. Check out the waiver show on Monday. Check out Jack and Nee and 
Dr. Dynasty on Sundays doing a recap of the weekend. You guys have to do it. Just have a great weekend and enjoy football. How kind of you, Jason. Thank you so much for joining me once again. It's been real. It's been fun. And for once, it has been real fun working with you. Be sure to follow Jason at that FF nerd on all the socials, especially if you have any feedback for us, and especially if that feedback is of the negative variety, because Jason is our customer service hotline. And if the feedback is positive, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review and check out all the content that the Important Nonsensers have been pumping out on the daily over on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at NonsenseFF. I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it has been a treat guiding you through the NFL's going-ons ahead of week six. Be sure to tune in Monday morning for the Sunday recap show starring the t- terrific trio of myself, at the real NWB, Nee Wallace Bruce, and at Dynasty PhD, Dr. John Chansey. Stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!